You've reached the Onkin Radio Podcast. Nick Onkin here, exploring the world from creativity, consciousness, and everything in between to help you alchemize your life to its fullest expression. Hello, hello, my fellow Earthlings. Welcome to another episode of the Onkin Radio Podcast. And today I have one of my favorite human beings on planet Earth. Her name is Blue. Her Instagram is Blue of Earth, and um, really, I don't know if she is of Earth. She might be from another planet, but she's an amazing human, beamed down on this Earth to share with us her amazing wisdom and talents and just perspective on life. She did a TED Talk recently, and we talk about that because it's really about turning your trauma and things that happen to you into your greatest gift. And a few years back, Blue started losing her hearing. Uh, So she's 70% deaf and has turned that into her greatest gift and learned how to sing and sings amazingly. You got to watch her TED Talk. And uh, just one of my favorite humans, we got to spend a week together at Arcana International doing plant medicine together earlier this year, and neither of us even knew that we were on the same retreat together. Uh, We had met like a year before and never really talked, and then we got to become soul sister and brother and sister on the trip, and she is one epic human one of my favorite people ever, and I really, really hope you enjoy today's episode with her. On another note, things that are happening here, I've been really into making elixirs lately. Elixirs, matcha elixirs, cacao elixirs. Check out my friends from Cacao Laboratory and Tenzo Matcha. This is not an ad. These are just some of my favorite uh Favorite people, favorite brands out there. Anima Mundi I've been really enjoying. Uh, They have a place in Greenpoint that uh, is this dope store and you can get a bunch of herbs and all kinds of things. So I've been been cracked out on herbs lately (laughs) In, in all the good ways. I've been really diving into health and wellness and learning how just taking care of my immune system and taking care of my body with all the craziness going on here. So maybe I'll do a, a podcast on some of my favorite things that have been really helping me. One of my one of my good friends or one of my buddies, Sean Stevenson, has a great podcast, The Model Health Show, if you really want to dive into keeping your immune system high and as strong as possible. Uh, I suggest you go listen to that podcast as well. He's also a client. We've done photo shoots together. So also I'm working on a program called Identity Alchemy, which is a personal branding program, how to how to create a personal brand from the inside out with congruency. It's going to be an Identity Alchemy 101 course. So if you're interested, hit me up on the Instagram, DM me the words IA to and my Instagram is at Nick Onkin. DM me there and I will put you on the list to send you info for when we drop it. So if you're an entrepreneur, a thought leader, author, anybody who you are, your personal, your product, your personal brand, this is a great, this will be a great class. So without further ado, I introduce to you Miss Blue of Earth. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow Earthlings, and if you're tuning in from the cosmos or you're, what is it, a bluebird? 
What? If you're a fellow bluebird. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your favorite bluebird here, <laughs> Miss Cosmic Blue, Blue. Eagle. <laughs> we got her on the show. She Cosmic Eagle sound. Cosmic Eagle. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in just a second because that is a whole identity in and of itself. Ah. However, however, besides beyond being this amazing epic human, she's an epic soul. <laughs> epic soul. She just did an amazing TED Talk, which I want to talk about as well. And you have an amazing story of how you've moved through the world and moved and ended up in LA. And I've been listening to your podcast as well. So that's been a beautiful, inspiring piece. And you've been inspiring me just through us doing your podcast before and being such an amazing speaker, such an eloquent speaker behind the microphone. And in all truth, I mean, I had to really, that's been my biggest alchemy is speaking behind a microphone and speaking in front of people. So it's been so inspiring to hear you, listen to you and your jams and the way that you put words together and how deep you go with people. So thank you and welcome to the Ankin Radio Podcast. Ah, it's so <laughs> I'm so excited. We're sitting in my living room in my regular podcast situation, but I am a guest on your podcast. And this is a whole new pan intro for me, and I'm so into it. It's a little ping pong. Let's go. And it's been fun. It's kind of funny just to like, yeah. I don't know where this is. Yeah, all we going. got really good at ping pong on the last in the last podcast. Yeah, so we we'll did. See how it rolls out. We'll in just this keep one. keep the game going. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> but really, first of all, I want to kind of have share with the audience, you know, your story of how you got to where you are today, maybe some of your cosmic bricks along the way of, of what brought you to go deeper within yourself and to discover the universe inside of you and go through your own process of identity alchemy. So, you know, growing up in London and, and your family. Not quite London. London, well, England. Well, sorry. yeah, I mean, that's such an American thing to say. I know, I know. Because I'm from England, I must be from London. It's classic, Nick. I'm from just outside of Manchester in a place called Cheshire. 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 That's where the Cheshire cat's from. I told you I've been to Manchester. No, just outside of Manchester. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I say Manchester because also Americans only really know two places in England, Manchester and London. (laughs) And so Manchester (laughs) is the closest one to where I live. So anybody that asks that, instead of the whole arc of the experience of having to tell them it's Cheshire, but it's just a little bit outside of Manchester, but it's like four hours away from London. No, no, no. It's just like, I just said Manchester. So forgive me. I meant to say England. (laughs) However, London came out for some reason, (laughs) probably because I was thinking about your your poshness. (laughs) Right. Got it. (laughs) And the pinkies up, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So you grew up in a, in a, you know, conservative Christian upbringing as well. And uh, take us from there. Like where, how did that frame your life and then bring us to the cosmic bricks and all the things in between? Uh-huh. I know that's a lot, but you can summarize it. Yeah. Well, we'll see if we can get the, like the nuggets of, of my story. Yeah, um, nuggets, the highlights, the, the highlights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The golden nugget highlights. So essentially, yeah, born and raised in Manchester, well, born in Manchester Hospital, um, raised in Cheshire, and I actually was sent to an English boarding school. And the best way for me to describe the boarding school I went to is if you genuinely were to visualize Hogwarts, you know, like the professors wore the black capes and we had like 
fireplaces in the classrooms because in the winter it would get really cold and we'd have the fireplaces and we would write on chalkboards like in the classrooms and the school was 450 years old so there was like secret passageways and I remember you know me because it was a boarding school so we would sleep at the school from a very young age and me and my 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 sisters my girlfriends we would uh we would find these little secret passageways and i remember my friend's key to her closet at home matched the key to get into this very sh- janky looking attic that we found in our dorm room and one time when the teachers went there we used the key and we went into the attic and we found this like full attic that had access to an outlook post for world war ii for where the people would watch out for for planes that would go over over this manor which was an old manor house which was the boarding school and there was carvings of all of the names from the the soldiers from world war ii in the in in the beams of this boarding house so you can imagine like the 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 depth of culture and the richness of the history of where I was raised and and my upbringing. So also, you know, from an American perspective, this is so far gone from what Americans are mostly used to. And the school was 450 years old. And, you know, there were stories of ghosts and all of these different things. And we would sleep over at the school and and it would be like one big pajama party and we'd have matrons and the matron would, you know, come and tell us lights out girls. And I'd sleep in a room with 16 other girls and it was bed, 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 bed. And then all of these little, um, sinks and you know we'd all brush our teeth at the same time we'd have our slippers and all of our clothes would have our name tags on them because then we'd know who they belonged to of course and we'd have like house sports so each different like house would play a sport against each other and it was a very very magical upbringing actually you know looking back on it I just really had a very very special upbringing and very very grateful to my parents for offering me that experience simultaneously you know when you're sent to boarding school at a very young age it's just a different a different upbringing and something in my my experience is that I'm very very fiercely individual person because being sent to a boarding school at a very young age I just became very self-reliant and um, very close with my community and my friends and but I didn't feel like I needed my parents. I didn't feel like I needed anybody outside of myself. And as, as an adult, that's been a blessing and a curse because, you know, I can be like identified as the lone wolf. Like I'm good. I make my own money. I do my own things. I build my own queen. I'm like, I'm yeah. good. And simultaneously also I can hermit a lot because I don't feel like I need to lean into anybody, but realizing like, you know, we need other people also to survive and thrive. And so that sort of set me up in a very independent way and set me up in, in a very unique way. Mm. And um, then when I, I continued through the boarding school life, I went to part of the boarding school was also training in the military. So you should oh, choose wow. the Air Force, which I'm actually wearing a pretty appropriate outfit. Um, <laughs> this is actually kind of similar to something that would probably be as sexy as this, but like like it was, I was in the Royal Air Force. So the Royal Air Force is Navy Blue. Wow. Um, did you know about this? No, you never told me. Oh, cool. Yeah. So this was part of the upbringing of like, this was just basic. At the boarding school that I was at, everybody had to choose either the army or the air force. Now the army was cool. That's all the cool kids did because, you know, everyone would you know, dress up in the army clothes. And this essentially I'm army on the bottom half and I'm Royal Air Force <laughs> on the top half. This is the epitome of the army. It was all like the camo and the top half is the Royal Air Force. And it's like the, the Navy blues. And the uh, the army would be out in the field rolling in the dirt like and then the air force would predominantly be in flight simulation studies inside in classrooms 
But the thing is, is once you've done one year of graduation through flight simulation, you can actually start flying your own planes. Oh, wow. So at the age of 17 years old, I'm flying loop-de-loops, like full-on, like piloting my own planes. With a, with, I was a co-pilot, but they would hand me over the... How did you never tell me about this? I don't know. I like to keep things like... Well, I'm glad, I'm glad we're revealing it here on the yeah. podcast because that's fucking amazing that's so dope this is literally how the foundation of my neural network is set up that this is just the basic norm right like oh yeah kids at the age of 17 are flying loop-to-loop planes like that's normal totally normal not not until i went to college in florida was i like oh okay this is normal my upbringing was not exactly <laughs> the, the basics on top of that so i'm like you know we would we would in the air force we'd also spend night ops and night ops were three days out in the field face covered in pig's fat camouflage. <laughs> I was like ration packs on my back, wearing boots two sizes too big, giving me the craziest blisters, walking for, for hours and miles at a time and then finding camps and setting up camps and a, like putting rifles together in the dark. And like, this was my training. <laughs> what? At a pretty young age. God, my mind is blown right now. <laughs> I love it. Um, so badass. And it was amazing. It was really fun. And I learned all about how to work with teams. And from my perspective, I wasn't thinking this is fucked up. Like they're training me to fight. Or like, you know, I, in my mind, I'm thinking teamwork. I'm thinking out in the field. I'm thinking getting wild, Mad Max style. Like this is everything that I live for. So ultimately it was just, it was training, right? Whenever we were fired at, we were fired obviously with blanks. Like it was, it was, set up for us to just be in the stimulation of what it would be like but we were never actually put in the field um you could you could if you stick with it but the age that we were at we were just in training and so essentially that was a lot of my upbringing on top of that my parents actually uh toy manufacturers so my father and my mother uh, mr and mrs claus they manufactured toys worldwide to all different toy companies and I would go to work with my parents and they had a huge warehouse with rows and rows and rows that's so wild toys children's toys so my upbringing was like this balance and this dance between being trained in in military school and being trained in in a very very strict English boarding school you know you refer to the teacher by their last name or like miss or mister or sir and you would stand up every time a teacher would walk into the classroom you wouldn't speak unless spoken to it was like that kind of like strict upbringing and then there was the military and then on top of that there was my parents that that were toy manufacturers so i i got to play a lot and that was just a huge mm. part of my upbringing was like play and my father is the king of play he <laughs> is just santa claus to a t and he was always playing with us and so that was ingrained in my hard frame essentially all right, my friend, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and it is one of my favorite brands, Organifi. Uh, as you know, I'm all about putting healthy things into my body and using different supplements and things to get the nutrients that I need uh, when I can't always have access to them through other means of vegetables and things like that. So one of my favorite uh, mixtures is something that I like to mix three of their products together. It's the pure, the red juice, and the green juices. And it's a power pack of nutrients in the morning. Um, so I've been doing this every morning. And what's been great is I've been taking it on my travels so that I can keep some daily nutrients with me, especially when it's a very travel schedule. I don't always have access to foods that I want to eat. Um, so it's a great staple, great way to um, bring things on the road. They have little travel packs too, which is perfect. 
You can just drop them in, mix them with water, and they're delicious. Less than three grams of sugar, uh, which is very, very little, and it's all organic. Either way, no processed sugars. Uh, so the green juice, which is great, is just you get your daily doses, your daily dose of nutrients that you need. You just mix it with water. There's 11 superfoods like ashwagandha, morninga, chlorella, spirulina, turmeric, and much more. The red juice is a superfood berry blend that contains adaptogens, antioxidants, and a clinical dose of cordyceps mushrooms, which is highly, highly beneficial to you. There's 13 superfoods for energy support like beets, blueberries, acai, pomegranate, Siberian ginseng, reishi mushrooms, rhodiola, and more. So it gives you a bunch of energy without the caffeine. Um, And then Pure. uh, Pure is about promoting gut health and the morning brain fog is very helpful. It promotes healthy BDNF levels and mental clarity. For those of you that don't know what that is, I didn't. I had to look this up. Uh, Brain-derived neurotropic factor. It's the key molecule involved in plastic changes related to learning and memory. So neuroplasticity, things like that. Uh, What's great, it's infused with lion's mane and coffee berry. Got baobab from an African fruit that contains 10 times the amount of vitamin C that oranges do. It's got apple cider vinegar to improve gut health. Contains all kinds of other goodies like aloe vera, ginger root, monk fruit, digestive enzymes, and more. So you can go check this out, uh, Organifi.com. That's with an I uh, at the end, not a Y. And you can use the code ONKEN, O-N-K-E-N, for 15% off at checkout. I ended up graduating and I, and I first and foremost, I took a year off, which is pretty common in the UK. You yeah. take a year off and it's called a gap year and you travel around the world for a year. And so I traveled with my father predominantly and we went around the world and I did some travel alone. And that's when I bought, I got given a camera for my birthday and I became a photographer and I was like taking pictures of everything around the world and started to really chip away at this artist mm-hmm. that lived within me. And then I went to college in Florida and that was when I really got hit with my culture shock. Like, mm. you know, boarding school, RAF trained girl in college in Florida. Mm. And like, apparently I've just realized this afterwards. It's like Florida is the, is the party state. So like, if you went to college in Florida, you went to go party. And I didn't know about American partying. And I'm seeing like people upside down with keg stands and <laughs> nightclubs with flip flops and t-shirts with fish on them, you know, like, like wh- what is happening? Like, and, and the way that people were dancing and the way that men would interact with women and just like the whole thing was just such a culture shock for me. And I oh, definitely I felt like a fish out of water. I was like, what is going on? And it took me a while to integrate into that scene. Anyway, long story short, I ended up having to choose a major, right? So it goes from being like, I'm this creative, expansive individual to being like, well, yeah, that's beautiful, but you have to choose a major. And I wanted to be a TV host. This is literally what I wanted to do my whole life was interview people, interview brilliant minds from all around the world and to pick their brains. But that wasn't an option. Right, 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 right. So my option was to pick television, broadcasting, communications. So I was like, okay, well, I guess that's close enough. But the majority of me actually interviewing people was probably 2%. The rest of it was writing scripts and managing cameras and doing everything behind the scenes. For me to stay in America, I had to get a job that was in alignment with my major. And so I ended up going into television production and as a project manager. 
So here, long story short, I'm a very creative individual and I find myself now as in my 20s working in an office eight feet by eight foot, booking flights and responding to emails and having two older men barking down my ear at my orders of what I'm supposed to do for the day, not having any human connection, doing nothing creative. And I'm in the world of production and media and being like on paper, I'm doing everything that, that people think is quote unquote successful. I'm working at the red carpet and doing producing and helping produce like the Oscars and the Grammys and these award shows. But I'm like numb. Yeah. I'm like, where was that like seven-year-old that wanted to paint on the walls and wanted to make skits and sing and dance and like was super creative. All of a sudden now it feels like time had just gone doop. And I'm like in this cubicle, quote unquote, as a successful adult. Mm -hmm. But I'm living for my lunch break. I'm living for the weekend. And when Sunday evening would come, I would call it the Sunday evening blues because I knew that Monday morning would come by and I have to go back to work. And it would suck my soul dry of my essence. And I would tell myself this story, right? And you talk about this, everything, life is subjective to whatever story you put on it. I would tell myself this story. I'm not really that good at anything. I'm mediocre at everything. I'm a successful person. I should stick to this job whose story was I living? Mm. Whose narrative of what it means to actually be human was I actually operating from? Right. So it wasn't until I actually went to a festival called Lightning in a Bottle. Oh, I've heard of this place. And I did my very first, no, actually Lightning in a Bottle was after that. I did my very first mushroom experience before Lightning in a Bottle oh. with a neighbor that I met when I moved into my, my new apartment. And she was like, come do mushrooms with me. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, because when I went to college, I was a tennis athlete. So I was drug tested like every week and it was just never, I never did anything in college besides drinking occasionally and hating it. So it was kind of like a scary concept for me, but I decided to just try it and I had one of the most transformational days of my life. I was like, wait, what? Life can actually be like this whole like hologram experience and trees are breathing and consciously communicating with ourselves and like this quantum (laughs) computer that my soul has decided to incarnate into is actually just this gift that I've been given in this lifetime, but it's not who I am. And actually like my value isn't deciphered on what I actually look like or like the, my hair or my skin or my boobs or like my butt or like like what I'm actually told and programmed that what your value is placed in but it's actually in how much I give a shit and how much I care about people like my whole world went wow that came through on your first journey yeah I, I literally Whoa. had I literally had like a, I mean I'm, I'm sure probably many others as well but I had a my life will never be the same again kind of moment that's amazing it was amazing. I responded to the mushrooms in such a beautiful way. And um, from that point forward, I was just curious. You know, I was like, all right, hold on. Hold on. So you're telling me that everything I've ever been told my whole life from my parents, from my peers, from my schooling, from my friends, from media, from society is actually not necessarily the truth. This is a bit of a mind fuck. Yeah. So that was when I kind of went on the path of like being the curious mystic. I wanted to know what was life behind the veil because you gave me a peep, but I really want to like go down the rabbit hole and you know all yeah. about this, right? So it's like, yeah, follow the white rabbit. And, and I started following the white rabbit and holy shit, I never look back. That's, I love and, to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, after that, I decided to quit my job because I was like, and I went to lightning in a ball and I saw adults powerfully playing. 
Mm. I saw adults like juggling fire and selling their crafts that they handmade and body painting and singing on the stages and doing all these acts and these performances. And I was just like, the, all of those little stories, you know, all those little comments that are like, grow up, get your head out of the clothes, get a proper job. What yeah. reality are you living? You live with the fairies. Like all these little sly comments that have made their way into my consciousness that had created the construct of who I thought it who I was or what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. These kind of testified against those comments. Yeah. And so it just, it was enough for me to actually be like, what am I doing? Yeah. Why am I in a soul sucking experience, living at expectation station, waiting for something in the future to change for me to actually be happy? Because people will spend their whole life sitting at expectation station. Mm -hmm. And what it will do when you sit at expectation station, it will completely tap away at, the fear of wasting your potential in this life. Mm. And that's like a woodpecker. It's like, doo, 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 it's the worst. Most people, most of my clients that I work with, almost 100% of the time, one of the greatest fears of wasting their potential in this lifetime. Because we have so much potential. We don't even realize what it means to be human. It's, yeah. it's a super power in itself just to be human. But we're so confined to this ice cube tray experience of the human experience that we yeah. become these labels of ourselves that we don't actually allow ourselves to be expressed. So it got to the point where I was like, okay, my uniqueness is my power. I'm an artist through and through. Mm. And I'm going to continue to lean into the edge of what that means. And I'm going to continue to live to blow my own mind. Right. And I do to this day. Now there's many details in between that. And I don't want to like be talking on a monologue for 40 minutes straight, but like it got to the point where I quit my job. I was flung into the unknown. And that's when my life actually started. That's also when my life started to become all my school friends and my family were like, what the heck happened to you? Because the second you break out of the norm, people yeah. judge what they don't understand. Yeah. And the judgment came from left, right, and center. And I was labeled everything under the sun. Wow. Crazy more times than I can count. But yeah, you know, some you know, people say that I've lost my mind. But what would it look like if I actually never lost it? I just placed it down because I need to start living from my heart. It's the actual organ that needs to be operated and activated more than the majority of the planet aren't living from. Living from up here, what we think it's supposed to be based off of somebody else's narrative of their experience of reality. Yeah. So just like you and when I interviewed you in the podcast, like what do you fundamentally see different in life is you're a rebel with a cause. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's not about rebelling against the system but it's about saying you know what that's not my truth yeah instead of being fed this narrative well that's just how it is well that's just the way that the government works or well, that's just the law i think actually we're gen z right oh millennials Gen Z. Oh, we talked about this the other day. Right, Gen Z, whatever it is, right? It's the generation of people born from like 1990 onwards or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think that we're here to ask questions and not just continue to blindly follow yeah. what the status quo is. And I think that that's part of my dharma and my blueprint is to ask questions and be like, no, I love you. Blessings on your journey. I accept you for the way that you see life. And that's not my truth. Yeah. So for me, I'm on the path of devoting myself to find truth and truth is found in feeling. Mm. So I just follow the feeling. If it's expansion, then yeah, I continue to follow the path. If it's contraction, then I ask, why am I still on this path? And maybe it's contraction for me to up level and learn and to stay on that path. Or maybe it's contraction over a long period of time for me to actually tilt five degrees to the right. 
So that's how I navigate reality now is from feeling and people and situations and business endeavors and opportunities. And I feel into my body. Is this a full fuck? Yes. No, it's not. Okay. Then it's a no. And it's not going on my calendar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's more to that as many layers to it, but that's kind of like a little, little, how do we get to this point? Yeah, absolutely. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful story. (laughs) And it does, it comes down to like the intention of love or fear, right? Like what's, what are you feeling in making a certain decision as well? It's like, is this, being made out of love or is this being made out of a fearful state, a scarcity state? And even just understanding where our decisions are coming from requires a deeper level of self-awareness. It's definitely a deeper way, yeah. Otherwise, we're just unconsciously playing out patterns that would, would didn't even start with us. I feel like it's our responsibility, baking down yeah. the word responsibility, our ability to respond to actually break generational patterns that are not serving and depleting the human spirit, therefore depleting our ability to be of service in a big way. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just drop the mic? Uh, okay. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> D- 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 yeah. She, she she dropped the mic or punched the mic with her pinky. It was on like I had to drop the mic moment on the last podcast, and I and and because I'm English, of course, it would only make sense to drop the mic with my pinky finger. So I went like that and bashed it, and I actually bruised my pinky finger. So I learned the lesson of stop being so extra. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so so being the the Gene Keys guru that you are, and your um your life's work being beauty. What is that? How is that manifested in your life? And what does that, what does that look like? So just to give it a very, very, very quick summary of what the Gene Keys is. Gene Keys is a technology that I like to use to basically, it's like a blueprint of unlocking the potential that lies within our DNA. It's written by a man named Richard Rudd, amazing mentor of mine. And it's basically based off of astrology and the I Ching. It's, it's a partner of the human design. And it's an incredible technology that has supported me along my path of self-discovery. And um, my life's work, everybody has an own individual life's work. My life's work is just what we call beauty. Every life's work or every energy that runs through you has a shadow side too. Um, That's what makes the polarity of what makes everything possible in the human experience. So my life's work is to bring beauty. Mm -hmm. The shadow of beauty is entropy. The gift is freshness. So... Then my life's work, essentially, the, my name is Blue. My Blue, if you break down the letters of it, is beauty, love, and unity, which is what my life's work in the Gene Keys is. If I was to summarize everything in my life's work is to restore beauty, love, and unity on the planet again. So that's in a nutshell. But for me, beauty is recognizing, and it kind of ties into what our podcast conversation was, life is art. Mm-hmm. And you come into my house and you're like, wow, it's, it's epic. It's so beautiful. Because I, I want everything in my life to be beautiful mm-hmm. and not beautiful, aesthetically beautiful, right? Because it's like, I mean, well, I mean, aesthetically beautiful in the sense of within it as an individual, I believe that I'm here to invite us into a new narrative of artificial glamour into authentic beauty. Now it feels like it's the same coin, but it's two sides of it. Mm-hmm. And artificial glamour is pushed on us through society, right? get this Botox and your boot lips will look bigger and then you'll be more beautiful. Or if you have a boob job and then you'll be more attractive to men. Or if you like excessively work out, but like really not happy on the inside, like, but that's what makes you beautiful. If you have a great body, it's like, yeah, these things are they're subjective to whatever story you put on it. But if you place your sense of what is attractive or beautiful in that, and it doesn't come from a deep cultivation of the desire to share from your heart, mm-hmm. to create original things, to listen deeply, to love intently, to reflect the beauty that you see, then your beauty will only go skin deep. Mm-hmm. 
And so for me, beauty isn't just a classic terminology of what we think beauty is, but beauty means like I'm walking down a market, I'm in Peru and I find this old woman who has this tiny little stall and she's making like breadcrumbs for money. But, you know, she has these beautiful little custom bracelets that she's making and they're all done by hand and to actually paying her excessively well and buying a bunch and bringing them back and gifting them to your friends and bringing gifts to your friends of something that's beautiful, but also supporting this woman. And then in your house, eventually over time, everything is cultivated from these little moments of beauty. That's what lights me up from the inside out is to live a life of beauty and creating win-win-win situations everywhere you go. That woman's winning because you paid her extra for her craft that she poured her heart into. Mm. You bought these individual one-of-a-kind pieces and whenever you go for, for lunch with your friend, you bring out a gift for them and they're amazed and it activates their moment. And you feel abundant to be able to be in this place of reciprocity with beautiful humans. And to live a life of that is the default. Mm. And now from that place, my creativity is born. And the number one jinky actually is the most creative jinky in all 64 jinkies, the most creative archetype. Oh, wow. But there's a shadow. And the shadow side is not seeing any beauty in the world whatsoever. And I've had my fair share of that too. And, and ultimately entropy is, is, is a chemical state in the brain. It's, called, it's basically known as like a numbness. Mm. Where everything just goes... And I don't see the point of what it means to be human. I don't know why we're alive. I don't see any inspiration. I have no color in my day. I can't even move. I have no energy. I don't want to create anything. Now, by understanding the concept of that, mm -hmm. giving a context, actually, every battery needs charging. So I can be this like really electric fireball of energy, but I got to charge too. And that's my entropy state. So I just give it some context understand what's happening mm -hmm. plug myself in and lay on my back and surrender to that state then it becomes the gestation period for the next creative wave to hit mm. and what recharges you listening in a deep way of like waking up in the morning and being like because we, we you know we have an unpredictable energy system of like we don't know tomorrow how we're going to feel we may feel like shit tomorrow when it will be completely unpredicted but the listening to it oh, okay, this is how I'm feeling today and catering to that listening as opposed to trying to hustle and override the actual feeling of it, therefore leading to even more burnout down the line. That's actually what supports me is mm. to learn to actually be the mother of my own experience. Because if I had a daughter that came up to me and was like, mom, I don't want to go to school today. I don't feel good. <laughs> like, would I be like, I don't care. You're going to school. Like, <laughs> whoa like stop being a lazy little girl and like we can do this to ourselves right and we override actually what we need mm. because we get so deep into the being a human doing and not being a human being that it becomes our default and we override this with like the actual natural cycles in our human experience and so how can i treat that version of me that is crying for rest like i would if my daughter came up to me and was crying for rest nurture her love her listen to her ask her for what she wants what does she need what will support her right now how can she communicate it with others so that we can meet her where she's at and over and over and over again listen to what my needs are and honor those first and foremost so i can show up to the world so i can genuinely care and love the people around me yeah and so essentially that that would be <clears throat> my piece is, is listening to that but also having context now i have context that my life's work is beauty that's, that's all i do yeah in everything that i create i make everything beautiful i can see that 
you do. And I mean, just from experiencing, you know, our time together at Arcana and every time we hang out, like, and you do emanate that beauty. It's, it's amazing to see. Mm. And you really do embody your life's work. I can see it all over. Mm. And when we have context, right? Like when we actually have context for the energy that's always running or already and has always been, and will always be running through us. Mm-hmm. Then when we have context for it, then we can actually direct it and by understanding it. And that's when we start playing life as opposed to life playing us. And this comes back full circle to the most important tool that we can ever give ourselves is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know thyself. Like yeah. this is this, you know, a very, very potent and old. I think Socrates said it or something. And then it was repeated in the matrix. And it's just a very, very, very important piece. And simultaneously, like we see this issues happening in an environmental situation with the planet. Well, this for me is a byproduct that we've become disconnected to our body, our body being symbolically a representation of the earth. Mm. The biggest pandemic that we have going on here is that we've become disconnected to ourselves. It's true. And therefore disconnected to each other. And then why do you think we see wars on the planet? Because it's a byproduct of the division that lives within ourselves. Yeah. I mean, from a meta meta perspective, there's obviously many, many different tiny ingredients that go into that. But if you really want to make a change in the world, like what would it look like? Do you actually face off with yourself through mindfulness, stillness, silence, breath work, Vipassana, like time to really be with yourself and to look at unconscious patterns that are playing out that continue to perpetuate the narrative division on the planet. Yeah. I mean, we, it's up to us to do the healing for the world, for the, for the collective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to go within and create and there's many tools to do that right like coming from somebody that is that that is also a fellow psychonaut like plant medicines have been a very powerful tool they're not the answer they're a tool you are the medicine um and simultaneously you know there's many tools breath work clean eating yoga uh, meditation morning practice like there's many many different access points kriya kundalini to access a deeper level of self-awareness but our responsibility in this lifetime is to actually recognize that the only homes that we have for our soul being who we actually are and then the homes that we have is our mind our body and the earth can we actively through the beauty way take care of those three things yeah yeah i mean and one thing i've noticed you know you said everything is medicine <clears throat> and that's something i've really witnessed being around you is is that that it, everything is medicine like and it depends on the way that you look at it mm-hmm. right and so i'm always every time i hang out with you i'm like reminded of that of like even just interaction wise and in our small interactions here i'm like oh yeah like i'm learning something here just by the interaction but that's also perspective, right? Like a, a perspective of awareness that you get to take on of like seeing that that is medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, the way that I like to kind of like see it through the lens is that that, that enriches my spirit and that that depletes my spirit. Mm. So, okay, wake up in the morning. I go on my cell phone. I tell myself the story that the light on my cell phone helps me wake up. But actually when I go on my cell phone, the energetics are a little deeper down behind the story is that I go straight into, oh God, I forgot to respond to that person. Oh, that person just reached out. Oh my God, I got a hater message on Instagram. And it goes straight into this like contraction experience in the being that then is brushing my teeth, but I'm not brushing my teeth. I'm thinking about that email that I didn't respond to. And then I'm in the shower, but I'm rushing over it. And like, I'm literally rushing over my life because I went straight into the doing mind. Now I'm because of a level of self-awareness. I'm, I'm actually hyper aware that what I just did is depleting my spirit, but there's an addiction and there's a story mental overlay that says to me, yeah, but this helps me wake up 
So I've created a pattern and an addiction that is actually depleting my spirit over the long run. Mm. Now I know the difference when I wake up in the morning and I keep my phone on airplane mode and I go and do my practice and I've done 40 minutes of breath work and kriyas and mantras and, and movement and yoga. And how I feel when I then touch my phone is that I feel alive. I feel energized. I feel home in myself. I feel clear on who I am. I feel clear on what I'm offering. I feel clear on the action steps that need to be taken that day. And then when I go into the world that demands my attention, I'm coming from root deep into the core of the earth so that when the wind blows, my tree isn't going to be uprooted. So this is just a micro of the macro of the whole day and what the 12 hours in the day is going to bring you. Now that's a choice, right? I can deplete my spirit through a story that tells me that I need my phone light to wake me up in the morning, which is, I'm speaking from my reality that's actually happened. Or I can actually recognize it. I have the discernment of what enriches my spirit. Mm-hmm. I know that swinging by five guys on the way home is not going to enrich my spirit. Like I feel like shit after eating a bunch of French fries and a burger. Mm-hmm. I don't, don't eat burgers anymore. But like when I did, I, fe- I needed to take a nap afterwards. I felt yeah. awful. My stomach was bloated. I felt ugh. But yet this addiction to the five century experience to lose myself in that moment overrode my mm. understanding and my discernment of what actually enriches my spirit. So the difference between the followers and the leaders are the ones that have actually chosen the discernment of what enriches the spirit and have the self-control and the discipline of the higher self to actually choose that that enriches the spirit over and over and over and over and over again to the point where it becomes a default of who you are that you're no longer negotiating with yourself. Can I drop the mic on that again? <laughs> <laughs> so true. No, that's such a great distinction, especially, you know, as you go through things and like my own, as I've refined my own life of like, okay, well, I need to work out. I need to meditate every day, you know, and I do this because it's for my own well-being. I feel enriched. I feel much better and like cutting down on what I'm eating and drinking and, and all these different things. And it's so hard in the moment. It's like, I'm not always perfect in that moment. However, it's, it's my life has become, I've grown from that as well, Mm -hmm. which has been. And then you inspire people, right? Like we were at Arcana and through your choices of like what you choose to eat when everybody else is eating the gluten pasta and you're like, you know, I'm actually going to pass. Can I just have a salad? This person that's sitting next to you goes, huh. And it creates like a pattern interrupt for them. And so it's powerful when you choose it for yourself, but it's also extremely powerful for the ripples that it sends out when anybody's witnessing you living your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what that does is that that decision-making of enrichment over depletion over a long period of time sets you up with the frequency of being a leader, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. people are going to start being inspired people are going to start listening to your podcast it doesn't matter actually whether they've seen you or not you set up a vibrational transmitter when you're home alone and no one's watching you and you, and you choose enrichment mm-hmm. that actually sets you up as a vibrational leader in the world so true over a prolonged period of time yeah. and that's what actually you know the my greatest inspiration around this path is my partner andre like he is committed to enrichment committed i mean he's even beyond committed he's devoted to enrichment and he's not devoted to enrichment for a season right i'm the the one in the relationship that can use the gift of my gap i can get on the new flex i've been on this like flex of devotion for six days or nine days and i'm like chatting all about it on the podcast andre's been in the the commitment to devotion for 499 days now he's not posting about it on instagram or doing podcasts about it yet he's behind the scenes putting in the work 
Yeah. And now I go into a relationship with him and all of a sudden in the presence of grace, in the presence of somebody that's on the path of devotion, all my patterns that I have fed into depletion over a prolonged period of time that's created me to get caught up in a web of my own creation, Mm -hmm. of distraction of the five senses, he, just by being him and just by being on his path, illuminate it within me. And I have a choice point, stay in this relationship and up level or leave with his relationship and stay in the cycle that I'm in. Mm. Just by him being him. It's powerful. He doesn't need to change me. He doesn't need to tell me who to be. He just gets to wake up in the morning and does his practice and eats clean and is committed to his path and is clean and tidy and is an organized with his business to the point where I live in a reflection of him so often that I'm invited to up level or to stay in my cycle. And ultimately the love for me in the relationship is the invitation for me to up level because mm. I I don't want to lose a relationship. So I'd rather up level than yeah. to stay in a pattern. And this is how powerful we can be when we're, we're doing the damn thing. <laughs> yeah. And doing the practice and keeping in it. And he's changing the world because he's rippled it into me. And I have the gift of the gab to be able to have a podcast and talk about it. And you do it in a an eloquent way that allows people to be like, oh, I'm super inspired and activate it with them themselves. Yeah. But because he's the source, he I'm the I'm the river, but he's the ocean. Like I'm pulling my source from him. And so it's like, it's powerful and it, and it creates ripples, but this is ultimately, and it's super cheesy to say it, right? Was it, what was it like Gandhi or the Dalai Lama, like be the change you wish to see in the world? Yeah. But yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. That's like, how can you do it authentically, you know, behind the scenes without mm-hmm. being, you know, doing it in front of people. And it's so opposite of what our society is all about right now. And I just discovered this whole, like, I mean, it's like the, the whole different thing, but we can talk about, but this whole TikTok house thing. I, you posted that on your Instagram. I did. I was like appalled. I was like, this is like everything that's wrong in society today. <laughs> and they're all dancing outside. Yeah. You're just like, oh. It's so cringeworthy and it's like, like, it's like the shallowness of being seen versus like the depth of like, not doing it with, when nobody's being seen, but then how can you create the, you know, you create the right intention in yeah. between to share what you're doing with the world yeah. and change the world in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the congruency, right? And, and I kind of got to talk about this like in identity alchemy, which I'd love to hear more about in what you've gone through, but you know, the process of creating a personal brand, it's like, how can you create congruency with who you are mm-hmm. as a person and do the alchemy to like create that, right intention to creating like the content that's going out there mm-hmm. because we all feel dissonance. Like when you watch that video, you're like, Oh, or when somebody posts a caption, you know, like a sexy photo with this like irrelevant caption and you're like, you feel the dissonance. In there, <laughs> right. It's <laughs> like, I have this really great picture of my side boob. Hmm, maybe if I copy paste this quote from mine and then it'll make it relevant as to actually, I mean, I think a really great caption would be like, I think I look hot in this picture. I really want you to see it. Check out my side boob. That will land actually better than just like than ripping like... a random quote off the line and being like... <laughs> like some Ram Dass quote. When you go for a walk in the park and a tree falls, does the tree actually fall or is it just your perceived <laughs> conception of the tree falling? And there's like a picture of your tits. <laughs> <laughs> people can feel it yeah exactly i love nudity on instagram i'm all about it like i'm like if you can get away with it fuck yeah but what really we're talking about here in like a deeper level is actually like 
authenticity is the mo- most magnetic quality. Yeah, the authenticity. And you can be, you can post artistically, beautifully naked photos. Yeah. 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 Liberation you know, of the how does that, you know, where is the congruency yeah. within that? And that's like the, you know, everything with our society that we're, you know, how do you create that depth and that trend, that congruency to relay the message or tell the story that you're telling? Right. And ultimately, you know, I think going back to the, 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 the topic of the TikTok house and like your initial like skin crawling kind of like reaction to it, it feels like, you know, there's a, there is a slight different, and I can't remember who originally said it to me, maybe Brianna, she's been one of my greatest teachers, but the difference of like prayer and performance mm. And like, when you live a life of beauty, when you live a life of authenticity, everything becomes a walking prayer, right? Like how I mount a photo or like a painting or where do I get the painting from? Or like my plants or the food that I make or like my relationship or how I make love. Or like, this is all like a level of devotion and prayer. But the second it becomes a performance, it's like, I'm doing this so that you can validate me. That energy kind of, for me, vibrationally, it feels like a like... Like this, as opposed to like, yeah. And there's two vibrationally different things. So you can have, and Brianna and I did a podcast about this. It's like I think you know, strip. It was a strip tease. Like, part it was called strip tease. The power of the the political power of the naked female body, or whatever. Mm. And there's two. There can be two identical images of women, you know, uh, half naked on Instagram or whatever, and like. But one could be from a place of like, this is coming from genuine empowerment. Like I have really done so much work for me to feel empowered to be able to share this image of the world and it's aesthetically beautiful and it's artistic and this is coming from within or this is coming from like, I don't feel worthy and my boyfriend just broke up with me and I feel like absolute shit and I just need someone to see me and I'm going to post this picture. Like it can be two very similar images, but the energetics of the intention behind why it's sharing are two completely different things. And so there can be one that goes, Ugh, and it can create repulsion and one that can be like wow that's so beautiful like yeah. i'm so, i'm so drawn to the empowerment that this piece emanates and so it's not about necessarily like what we do it's about who we be while we do it that's mm-hmm. going to maintain the frequency and so this comes down to again like a level of self-awareness of my why and my intention yeah and you can feel it as the viewer you feel it you feel the energy behind it yeah it's pretty wild it's wild and simultaneously when you start to become like some sort of self-aware individual or like yeah. tapped in slightly, you'll start realizing and feeling that everything has a vibrational charge. We live in a vibrational reality. So I can sit on this podcast and talk about God knows what. I can talk about my dog shit and how she takes shit, right? But, but like it, it's not necessarily about the words. It's about the frequency behind the words and where it's coming from. It's either going to gravitate and magnetize or it's going to actually repel and repulse and, and, and create like a distortion in the experience. So if I'm speaking right now and you do to validate me to, to know a deeper sense of self that will come across in my words, whatever I'm talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, you know, I could uh, shift a little bit here. You know, you talk about like also that shift and I want to share, you know, you I tell, tell the story of kind of how you lost your hearing mm-hmm. and you've been able to like turn that into a gift because I mean, obviously, and also you're, you know, you sing incredibly beautifully. And it's, I was, I was so wowed by hearing your voice. And then to know that you've like lost your hearing is, is even, it's even exponentially more beautiful. And, you know, that was a huge process of alchemy for you to move through finding out that you were losing your hearing into 
you know, turning it into the gift and using that for the world. Um, I would just, yeah, I'd love if you could share like how that happened and, and what you were feeling as, as you went through that. So essentially, I don't know, about five or six years ago, I was diagnosed with a hereditary hearing disorder. Both my brother and I, that's why they believed that it was hereditary because my brother and I both had it. And um, essentially the information that I was given was that it's progressive, meaning that it's getting worse. It's hereditary, meaning that it's incurable. And uh, well, it's incurable. It's hereditary, meaning that I got it through a mutated gene from my parents. And it's progressive, meaning it's getting worse. So ultimately I was kind of given like a dead end with it, where it's like, there's really not much we can do. We can give you hearing aids to preserve what you do have left, but what you've already lost is not coming back. And that's quite a shocking, like, just you know, cast your mind into that moment of being told that. Like, it's it's quite a shocking experience. And it definitely completely changed my whole world in a, overnight of what I even knew to be true about myself. And I did a podcast with um, Kathy Buckley, who's actually like, she's not 100% deaf, but she's like hard of hearing, strongly hard of hearing Um and she was actually born mute. Like she had to train herself to speak. She was born, born deaf or like hard of hearing. And um, she's a comedian. And she was telling me like the, the challenge with being deaf is it's an, it's an invisible disability. So like if somebody's missing a limb or if someone's missing a leg, you know, you know to go over to help them when they're like struggling with their suitcase, right? Or something like that. They've clearly got a disability and you're blind, you have a, a stick and you're like clearly, and the people help you and they support you. But if you're deaf, no one knows about it. Right. So it can be extremely isolating and extremely like scary. And I definitely like, I mean, you talked about your dark night of the soul on my podcast and I definitely went through a dark night of the soul in my own unique way of being mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I might not hear myself sing. I might not hear music. Who would honestly would want to date me? Like I couldn't wrap my head around the whole dating game. Like why, how would anyone want to date me if I'm deaf? I had somebody say to me, she was a pretty fierce woman. She's passed away now. She was 98 years old and she was a Holocaust survivor. She was actually one of my best friends, but like she was pretty harsh. And, and she was like, I don't know how you're ever going to be a mother. You'll never be able to hear your children cry. Like that's quite dangerous, you know, like your kid's crying and you can't hear them. Like the, my whole world was like yeah. turned upside down. Come on then. And um, hello, welcome to the podcast, everybody. If you're watching this, this is Snoopy Brown, Shaman Dog. Hello, so ultimately I isolated myself a lot and I was noticing now that I got the diagnosis, I was progressively noticing my hearing just getting worse and worse and worse. And it got to the point where I'd be in a room full of people and I never felt more alone in my life. Like yeah. nobody could really understand. People could try and empathize, but no one could understand what it was like. My brother could understand what it was like, but you know, we didn't live together or we were close together. So I didn't really have anybody that could really like get in on it. And so I spent a lot of time alone. And when I was alone, what that did was actually gave me the space to start like, well, when I'm alone, I have to face off with this reality. And when I was alone, I just started creating and painting again. Mm. Because in a world where I didn't see any beauty, I didn't see any beauty of why this was happening. When I would paint, it would reflect back to me beauty. And it would remind me that I do still have a gift, that I do still still something magical inside of me. Mm. So I would meet myself through the art that I was creating. And it started from just like little sketching pieces. And then it turned into, you know, bigger pieces and bigger pieces. And eventually I started making like big paintings and murals. And from that point, I started to actually, then I, then I came across tribal markers. And I talked all about this in the TED talk. 
and Tribal Markers is like essentially a body marking company. And that's when Amir came into my life. So I did a big art show that I was going to, all these paintings that I created, I was going to do a big art show and, and, and show them to the world. What I created on the other side of this like dark night of the mm-hmm. soul. Ultimately, it's the alchemical process is everything that you talk about. You know, it's like, Lily, thank you. You're licking Nick. Don't stop. She loves Uncle Nick. Yeah, she does. And um, so, uh, you know, I, I created what was the Dark Knight of the Soul and I turned it into beautiful artwork and then I showcased it to the world. And at my art show, this is when this man walked in and he was holding these markers and they were body art markers and he was drawing on people. And I was like, that is cool. Everyone's a canvas now. It's not just, you know, and that was the very thing that was one of the most painful things that, that was hard for me to lose, quote unquote, was human connection. I went from being like chatting to people and wanting to be a TV host and interviewing amazing people and hearing their stories to not wanting anyone to talk to me because it would strain all of my energy over hearing like, and I, it was over small talk. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. So I'd rather just no one would talk to me. And these markers, he gifted me one in that moment. And these markers ended up becoming my tool to reconnect with people mm. because you don't need words to connect. Like if I just like meet you and I place my hand on you and I give you a beautiful piece of artwork, even if we don't exchange a single word, a very potent seed has been planted mm-hmm. there of human connection. And so I never left home without my tribal markers and I would paint people everywhere I went. And I was known for this girl that would paint and most beautiful, exquisite body art painting on people. And my, my body art connection was, was restored. And Maya Angelou talks about, I might butcher this quote, but it's something along the lines of people won't remember what you said or did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. So to just go into a place and lock eyes with someone and touch them on their hand and give them a beautiful piece of artwork and exchange a hug, Mm. people will always remember that moment, even if no words are exchanged whatsoever. So I realized actually how much was I actually connecting before? Mm. And is my hearing loss an invitation for me to listen deeper? Because usually when you look at it in the mythological text, you'll see that the seer is blind right? The one that sees all is usually doesn't have eyes, right? Or the one that doesn't hear anything listens to everything. Mm-hmm. So I got invited into a much deeper initiation of listening to life. And so this is when I, you know, I was like, oh, I've always wanted to play music, but I'm not a musician, like a stories, right? I can't really sing story. So I decided to buy a guitar and I bought a guitar and I went traveling with it. And I made a vow to myself. I remember that moment. I made a vow to myself and I was like, anybody asks me if I'm a musician, my answer will be yes. Even if nothing in my body believes it. And all I can play is Itsy Bitsy Spider on the guitar <laughs> with like two chords. But I would show up and every time someone would ask, I'd bring their guitar and I'd start strumming. And eventually over time, and it definitely took time of like being deeply uncomfortable and sharing, was the gift started like to come online. Mm. And I started living to blow my own mind. I wasn't trying to blow anyone else's mind. I just didn't have tomorrow guarantee. Right. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, this doesn't have to happen like this to most people. People don't have to go through such like a huge shock where like one of your senses is being taken away if you'd actually start listening. But how much of my life was I listening to other people's stories over my own? And ultimately, I created a deafness to drown out the noise of the world to actually start listening to my intuition and my own internal truth. Now that's the very piece that's made me powerful today mm-hmm. is because I alchemized what was a greatest challenge into my superpower. 
And I believe, and that's what my TEDx talk was all about, was that actually your greatest challenge in life is also simultaneously your superpower. Everybody. And Neil Strauss talks about, in one of his quotes he posted on Instagram, that something along the lines of everybody in life is dealt certain cards, but your happiness determines on what you do with that, with what you've been dealt. So everybody in this planet has an Achilles heel or a challenge or a weakness. So everybody, no one got left out of this. But the journey here is, do I let that allow me to become the victim of circumstance or do I become the pioneer and the creator of circumstance? Because actually I wasn't listening. Mm. And through a deeper level of listening to myself, going back into being like the mother of my own experience, listening to my body, listening to the people around me, listening to their body language, listening to the frequency behind the voice. I cut through a bunch of bullshit real quick because I felt the agenda behind the words that were being said. I found my soul tribe real quick. I found my purpose real quick. I found my passion real quick. And I started realizing that actually music doesn't necessarily need to be heard with my ears, but it can be felt with my whole being. Mm. And so this is what I encourage through my life's work is to invite people into a deeper level of feeling because we've become disconnected to ourselves. We've become disconnected to the earth. We've become disconnected with each other, but actually recognizing that there is a superpower lying within you, everybody. Mm-hmm. And how you choose to respond to the cards you've been dealt is whether you discover that superpower or you've got to go through another incarnation that's going to give you all these karmic lessons to you to finally tap into it. <laughs> it's a choice. Yeah. But first and foremost, we've got to even know that it's a choice. And so now I travel around the world. I play music in ceremonies. I sing. I don't sing to perform. I sing to pray, to sing, to activate, sing, to remember. And I paint to create beauty and I've built a life of beauty. And now it's got to the point where my cup is so full, I can't help but share that with others. Yeah. And so I have right now, I'm co-creating with my dear sister Reggie, a container called Fluorescence, which is all about activating the beauty inside of you out into the world in a very st- uh, strategic way through 10 weeks with 22 women online and birthing them into their gift. Because I can guarantee you the more people living from their heart and the more people living from their gift and the more people sharing their creative gifts unbashed and uncre- you know, like fully just going for it, the world will heal. Yeah, absolutely. And the world needs more people to live their life or live their light, I should say. Exactly. <laughs> how would you, you know, I just said jump back a little bit. How would you, what, what advice would you give to people to drop into their feeling, like to shed? Because so much of it's like getting in your head. I mean, I do this all the time. And like when you're in so much in your head, dropping into your heart and getting into feeling can be challenging. Like, what would you say to people for that? I mean, ultimately we live in a reality where we're overstimulated all the time. And when we're overstimulated, life can get real noisy. And I'm talking from firsthand experience and the noisiness creates deafness, whether you're actually physically deaf or not, you become disconnected to your own intuition, your own clarity, your own guidance of what to do, what to go, where to go next, who to connect with. Like we actually are very, very cosmically connected beings where we have an, like an umbilical cord connected to the Akashic records of anything that ever has been, anything that ever will be in it exists on the other side of stillness so when our and our mind is really running the show because we can either run our mind or it run us but i can tell you that when it's running us it's suffering is usually the default and so it's about stillness it's about coming back to the breath and so for me and this is like a really new piece that's locked in in a really powerful way but it's been initiating me to an even deeper level of listening i'm realizing there's so many layers to this game of listening it's to carve out 
time of day just to be in the stillness to be mm. like that first thing in the morning like literally morning practice is essential it's it's literally the anchor of the human experience and so that first hour of the day if you can and you're not a mother of four and they wake up at 4 a.m and you went to sleep at you know midnight like it, you know it's tough and, and i understand there's many different circumstances into it but if you can carve out some time to be alone, some time to be in nature, some time to just sit with your own thoughts and to face off with them. It's deeply uncomfortable to face yourself. It's deeply uncomfortable to recognize, oh my gosh, I've got this program that's running in my consciousness that says that I'm unworthy and I create so much shame and guilt on myself that if I sit in silence, that's all I can hear and it's so uncomfortable. All I want to do is shove some food in my mouth so that I have to think about this. But ultimately, the more that we distract ourselves from our truth of our own stillness, the more tightly wound we get into addictions. Yeah. And so stillness is just so important. And if we can at least give ourselves an hour of stillness every single day, give it yourself 40 days, what should I significantly change? But that is the realm of feeling is found in the stillness, not the overstimulation. In a reality of overstimulations, like we have a cell phone, we have a hundred tabs open at once. I can literally be on my phone and be wondering where my phone is. Like I'm so distracted. <laughs> like, ah, and and I'm super guilty of it. And simultaneously, I'm just learning to watch my patterns and again come back to enrichment or distraction. So to feel the feelings is to give yourself permission to feel it and set yourself up in environments that actually welcome them as opposed to try and brush them under the carpet. Because your feelings are your navigation inside. And so if it says know yourself, well face off with your feelings. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I think that's highly important i think you know this would be an interesting topic we can riff a little bit on identity alchemy and the idea you know because i feel like that piece of it is part of the deconstruction space of i of my so i have like my process is like deconstruct curate and become so deconstruction of identity deconstruction of who you are deconstruction of your thoughts and your your things your like belief systems and and narratives what what kinds of things have you done to deconstruct your identity throughout i mean we've gone through so many identities you're constantly we're all shape-shifting every day right and that process kind of lends to it every day what kind of questions do you ask yourself what kind of things have you utilized to deconstruct your own beliefs and narratives and why not well, there's been multiple things. I've gone through many initiations, one of them being shaving my head and changing my name. That was definitely a huge recalibration of my yes, identity. That's, a- <laughs> um, that's also a classic LA move. I know that like people <laughs> yeah. move to LA and they change their name and they shave their head and they like go through this whole like, I know. And at the beginning before I, I did it myself, I had judgment towards it. I was like, oh, classic. You moved to, you moved to LA and named yourself <laughs> Sunshine. Oh, classic, right? <laughs> But then until you actually do it, you realize that your name is your vibrational container of what you carry, what carries your essence out into the world. And if you were just given a textbook name based off of somebody that has no real deep relationship to the essence of your spirit, and then now you're realizing and reconnecting to the actual limitless nature of your spirit, and you would like to have a new context and frame that holds that spirit through, then fuck yeah, super powerful. And it is a game changer to change one name because we become so identified with our name and the number in our bank account and the way that we show up and the clothes that we wear or the, the job that we have or the the relationship that we're in we identify with those things which we were sharing with me on our podcast 
then it can be a whole deconstruction of one's identity. But ultimately recognizing that you're not the same person as you were when you walked in this house a few hours ago. You have shifted over this course of time through the conversation that we've had. Me too, Chelsea too. Everybody in this space is not who we were an hour ago. So when we can actually recognize if we hold our life force energy very loosely to allow it to shape shift and mold, we become like water. And then we flow with the current of life, meeting ourselves over and over and over again, recognizing it based off the jinkies. We have 64 strands in our DNA. We also have 64 expressions of the human experience. So we're like a diamond and the 64 faces of that diamond were all 64 of them. I'm the mother, the lover, the student, the teacher, the seductress, the eternal child, the wisdom keeper, the elder, the maiden. I'm all of it. I'm the artist. I'm the muse. But if I identify with one and this is who I am, I am the mother and this is all I do and this is my role, then we don't allow the breath of the child to come in. We don't allow the breath of the seductress to come online. And so realizing that in every given moment, if I can learn to listen in a deeper way, I can let the archetypes run through me. Yeah, changing my name, shaving my head, rebirthing my identity and constantly going through the rebirth of identity. I buy wigs, I wear different like outfits and I like to to have as many tools that support the expression of what's alive in the moment to come through. Love yeah. that. Super important. Beautiful. <laughs> and how do you curate that? You know, that's a whole nother, you know, because you get deconstruct and then you curate who is it that you're shifting into? Mm-hmm. What does that look like for you? I mean, I, I like to live at the edge of the seat of just watching myself, like I said, living to blow my own mind. And there's even times when... Um, you know, I'll buy a wig that's like a long red wig and all of a sudden this like seductress <laughs> woman comes online and then like I go into Andre and I'm like this whole different character and I'm like, hey, baby. <laughs> and then we're like, yeah, we we'll really get into it. I won't go into too much detail on that next stage. Um, but uh, it's like, it's like, how can I invite the energy? How can I give it like the right frame and give it permission to really breathe out into the world? And ultimately, it also takes a lot of courage because you've got to move through this great fear that most people are stuck in, which is the fear of humiliation, the fear of being different, the fear of like standing out. And ultimately, this separates us from exquisiteness to mediocrity or mediocrity. Like it's like, I'm afraid to be different, mediocrity or exquisiteness. My uniqueness is my power, right? It's whatever subject you put it on, but it takes the bridge between the two pieces takes a lot of courage. Mm -hmm. And simultaneously, the more fierce, the unique you are, the more magnetizing or the more magnetizing you are, the more abundance you tap into because nobody can replace you for what you do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, John Lennon said it's weird not to be weird. (laughs) so get weird people and weird the original definition of what weird actually is is essentially somebody sent me this message the other day it's like to carve out your own path and your own destiny how fucking beautiful is that yeah if you call me weird i am so grateful like thank you yeah weird i'm weird that's amazing (laughs) that's one of the best things you could ever say to me i like weird weird's cool weird are my friends you are weird and I Thank love you. it. I love it. <laughs> it's <fantastic>. Likewise. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I was just, it's just so, it's funny to like think of all the weird shit that we're into. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're walking around with like a pyramid on your hat. Like, yeah, that's weird as fuck. And I'm so into it. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's so weird. Right. But so fun. And so, yes. inter- so interesting. I like, like the weirdos. The weirdos are my friends. Yeah. We, yeah. The weirdo club. Yeah. I mean, like weird tribe. Totally. 
weird tribe. Well, I I guess where can people find you? Thank you for joining on this and beautiful adventure and and dropping some bombs on us. Yeah, only the love bombs though. So where people can find me, I am currently on Instagram, Blue of Earth, B-L-U, no E, B-L-U, like for beauty, love, unity, Blue of Earth on Instagram. My website is bluecosmiceagle.com. Oh. And you can find all my offerings and YouTube videos <laughs> and all the different offerings and all of the things on there, my art and um, the podcast and on YouTube, I'm Blue. Or Blue Cosmic Eagle on YouTube. Just blue. Just put in blue. And if you want to find the TED Talk, we talk about from limitation to liberation, all about my hearing loss, then and how to turn any of our challenges into a superpower, then you can just type in TEDx, blue TEDx, and um, I'll pop right up there. We'll link it up in the show notes. Okay, perfect. We'll, we'll show it off. Um, and yeah, I think that's a good place to start. And reach out. Let me know that you heard me on the Nick Hogan radio podcast. Yeah. And I'll know exactly where you came in from. And I'm pretty active on that Instagram. Like I post a lot on my stories. I take people on a journey. So um, yeah, come come find me. Got a lot of time lapses yeah, on there. <laughs> the time lapses holds me accountable and not touch my phone. <laughs> people know what's going on in a very short period of time. In 15 seconds, I can give you an hour worth of content. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very true. <laughs> we didn't even have time to talk about Arcana on this podcast, mm-hmm. but yeah, we got, we both have our our episodes on that. So yeah. we'll we'll link. I'll link yours up too in the show notes because yeah. I want people to hear your experience. I want to have a podcast too, Deja Blue podcast. If you feel called to more of these topics, right? Into fantastic Blue. people, yes. Nick, we just did a podcast with him, so that should probably be soon. And she had Sadguru on our podcast, which was great. Go listen to it. I listened to that one. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So honored. Thank you for asking brilliant questions and being fully present with my answers. I appreciate you. And thank you for sharing all your wisdom and knowledge and for the differences you are making in this world and universe mm-hmm. and the cosmos. The cosmos. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ow. Thank y'all for tuning in to today's episode of the Onkin Radio Podcast with Blue of Earth. I'm your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could help us out by leaving us a good review or an Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts at. If you want to show notes, you can go to the onkin.co slash blue of earth and we'll have anything that we talked about linked up there and also links to blue social her instagram is blue of earth you want to go follow her check out her podcast which is also amazing we did a podcast back way back when and if you want to learn more about arcana you can scroll back to episode 197 i did a full just recap of my adventure there and what i learned if you're interested in going there's a special code on that page as well so with that you know what time it is it's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment and we'll see you next time